Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. You're joined by Ryan, Lenny, Warriors in five, and John. I'm not going to buy the Corvette. <laughs> John's emotionally upset, and Lenny is delusional because he doesn't watch basketball anymore. But this is a car podcast, and we're talking about how uh, three stops can win a race. GT racing, more confusing the deeper you look. And we also have a scrap race daily on GT cars letter going on. So that means we're talking about F1 for a little bit here, and then we're going to dig into the dirty high-level GT stuff. So let's get into it. Lenny, you said this was the least boring Spanish GP you've seen in a while. Tell me why. Yeah, it's def- definitely was the most exciting Spanish Grand Prix in a decade, I'd say. Instead of a DRS train, ladies and gentlemen, we got a whole lot of action, a whole lot of overtaking, uh, three stop strategies really working, which um, I wouldn't say is out of the norm for the Spanish Grand Prix because that is typically a, one of the longer races of the season. But it worked out. It worked out for Red Bull. Good for them. Yeah, it worked out really well for Red Bull. There was a little bit of issue with Perez and Verstappen there. I mean, <sighs> team orders. Well, the entire country of Mexico wants to assassinate Christian Horner. Look, here's my deal. I think I had more of an issue with the fact that they had to announce that shit over the radio when it's already kind of agreed that they didn't need to necessarily race. But Verstappen, by the end, was 12 seconds ahead of Perez. They were on different strategies. The three-stop for Verstappen ended up working. Um, And... Apparently now, uh, British media dislikes Verstappen highly. The way that they're painting him is hilarious to me. George Russell's now the quote-unquote new minister of defense. Last I checked, Perez never lost that title. (laughs) And um, I just found it interesting because Perez is really a team player. I think he wanted to talk later because he was in the moment of the race and didn't know what strategy was going on. Should they have raced? Maybe. Was it worth them trying to damage the cars? And what would they have done? To, I I don't know. I think Verstappen would have just overtaken Perez, and Perez does a really good job as a number two. But I don't think they needed to announce that over the radio necessarily, in my opinion. That that was my beef with it. Like, why did you allow now these media outlets and these people to, to latch on to this whole thing? That was my issue. That was just happenstance. That was, that was more to keep uh, Perez... In the no, in check, maybe. I don't know. No pun intended there with Checo. <laughs> what, um, at the end of the day, they were on two different strategies, and Verstappen was on the winning one. And so, even if they raced, Checo would have probably put up a good defense if there was no team orders. But at the end of the day, Verstappen would have overtaken him. Um, I just want to backpedal here and say that the. British media slash tabloids that probably were saying that George Russell is the new minister of defense are high as a kite. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right. I just want to note here that uh, in this minister of defense, like um, light that they want to paint him in, he was moving a lot in the breaking zone. More than once. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, like, uh, I would say that's illegal minister of defense at best, but it's it's whatever. We'll we'll let that pass. George Russell is doing great. Oh, yeah. Uh, another person who is doing great that I want to note is Valtteri Bottas. Whoa. For real. Alfa Romeo in general is doing well with him. Um, yeah. But it, back to Mercedes real quick. I find it hilarious, though, that – Lewis Hamilton pretty much wanted to give up, right? Oh yeah, you don't want to you don't want to miss an opportunity I for any airtime to, to beat on Lewis Hamilton. I guess. ever want to miss that opportunity. Look, when you have a guy who has a master class uh, on the quote unquote winning mindset, and he says after crashing and lap one, uh, just just save the car and save the engine, and basically just wants to give up. By the way, he ends up in P5. He had a hell of a race. He ended up in P5 because there were some heating issues on the car uh, coming in the last three laps. Oh, no, 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 sir. I don't think it was heating issues. That's what it was reported as. 
fuel issues. It was reported he fuel, burnt it, through fuel. Yes, but it was reported as fuel issues during the race by Crafty. But after the fe- it was reported as being a, uh, a heating issue. So they basically. Would, said, I would. Tr- I would. I would trust. I would trust the word of Sir Crofty over I anything agree. Mercedes puts out in public <laughs> any day of the week. That's okay. Uh, so, the fact of the matter is that Lewis Hamilton was putting in 124s for the middle stint of that race. For a while. And that w- and that's the fat, like, that's like on pace to the yeah. top three. Checo didn't so. end up getting fastest lap. Uh, now let's move on back to the Batos because Botas himself, I mean, this guy. Talk about traditions. I I thoroughly, even though I dislike Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton and uh, friggin' Toto Wolf to my core, I have never disliked Botas because he is so, he's just himself. You can't dislike the guy. Now there's Alfa Romeo. He's doing really well. He always qualified better than Lewis Hamilton anyways. Why were you? Why uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest here. I thought at one point Valtteri was a little bit of a beta, beta guy. Nah, he's not. Uh, not not in in his racing position uh, in the team, but like just his his way. And I, I don't know if it was just it's just the finish way or whatever. He's just very reserved. I would disagree. He is, I would I would say one is finished, much like how John dislikes Verstappen because he's so Danish. Uh, but I would I would like Verstappen Dutch. because he's Dutch. I don't like Verstappen because he's. Dutch, yeah, oh, Dane, Dutch, Denmark, and and, and oh, that's the right. Netherlands are two different countries. But uh, I don't like Verstappen because he's Dutch. I don't like Verstappen because he's a bitch. But no. anyway, keep oh, going. he's not a bitch. <laughs> Fuck you. But my point is, is that is that I think Botas is so alpha that he knew how to lead from the from the back, man. He he said, look, Lulu and Toto are fucking over here making out, doing their shit, doing their little gangbangy clap 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 bullshit. And yet he can have traditions with Heineken's and be successful in F1 for as long as he was. He made the choice to get out and got to go to a team that is now more successful uh, in some ways and is on the rise. He has piloted himself into a very alpha position compared Hold to on a second. Hold on. Right? I, I see Hold what on. you're doing there. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I see what you're doing. Hold on a second. All right. All right. I'll hold on. First of all, I brought this up probably like 20 episodes, how Botas was a quiet, often derided, but unsung hero in F1. I did mention this, like, because that dude is consistently one of the fastest guys on the grid, and everyone says he sucks because he's always behind Hamilton. That's one. Yep. Yep. Two, like... I think you're making some emotional comments about because Otas went from like a premier team consistently on podiums or close to pole to a mid pack team. And for a mid pack team, he's doing well, but like he went from battling for podiums to battling for fifth and sixth. Let me so clarify like, for you. <clears throat> he went from team orders of having to give up podiums to Lulu, Lulu Hamilton. Not always, but yes. Often. You and, and that's this is what blows me up about British media. Guys this, right there. No, no, no. This is what's insane about British media is that we're not going to talk about all the all the seven years of team orders, basically five, what was it, five years Botas was on Mercedes, of team orders that he gave up for Lewis Hamilton. We're not going to talk about that when we call out Checo and Verstappen and Red Bull, right? We're not going to call out all the team orders that Botas had to give to Lulu so he could friggin' win a race. Also, Hold on, I'm going to stop you right there. No, you. It's, you, it's, you guys it's are thing really of, trying to Kanye me it's hard a, today. It's a thing <laughs> of note for Red Bull to give out team orders because Red Bull is not a team to give out team yes, orders. Yes, they are. There is a certain incident yeah, that is are. very well known in Red Bull history for team orders. Um, <laughs> and since and since then and since then, Red Bull and Christian Horner have been very adamant that they're not about it. So like this is kind of a a, a very rare return to that kind we of all, time. Uh, I, it's, it's just a thing of no. That's nope. a lie, Danny. I, mean, okay. I disagree because here's and here's why I think Ryan's an asshole. <laughs> Ryan's an asshole because Ryan just Ryan just takes the pepper grinder. If y'all can imagine, just takes the pepper grinder to Red Bull. But Red Bull's whole shit is making Perez 
he's sacrificial team, lamb. He's number two. Verstappen. Absolutely, and, and, he is. And 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 we praise him for it. The yes. brass balls he had, the way he gave up. What was it? Seven seconds yeah. on Lulu for Verstappen to catch up, just holding Hamilton up, and it was amazing. But what I'm saying is. You're praising Perez for doing the same shit Botas did. And that's why I like Botas. And that's why I like Checo. I think it's important. I just think that, I, again. Well, I like Checo because he's a fucking gangster. He that's why gangster. I like Checo. Look, let me, let me get back to this. So you're talking about Alfa Romeo today is a mid-tier team. They were actually bottom tier last year, right? You're Before right. the regulations, You're right. right? It was You're Williams, right. Alfa Romeo, and Haas. And so with the regulation change, Ferrari engine update, and Botas piloting that car, he is pulling things out that That's true. were not seen in the past three years uh, of where That's Alfa Romeo is. It's true, but what I'm saying is he's playing for different stakes. Absolutely. Lower stakes. No, no, for sure. I think he's succeeding at what he's doing. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's like how Vettel left Ferrari, and even though he's an Aston Martin, which is now copying Red Bull instead of being a Perk Mercedes or being a green Red Bull, um, that did not work out well for them at the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, no, it did not. And uh, so that, that didn't check too well. We also have Haas as the only team that didn't bring any upgrades. Uh, to the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, and I just, I just want to say, uh, kind of going back to Lulu here. I don't know what Magnussen was thinking. Uh, he absolutely had enough, uh, racing room on the outside of that turn. I don't know why he kind of darted into Lewis like that, but probably because all his fault. Uh, much like most of the world, none of us want Lewis to be successful anymore. Um, oh my God. I'm just You're saying. You're such a hater. You're look, such a look, hater. Look, did did Schumacher ever get P15? Do you guys ever have a, a recollection of? Yeah, absolutely. At one point in time in his career, I'm sure no, he had. The oh end of Schumacher's God. career, did he ever get P15? You were such a baby. Why are you noting like the end of Schumacher's career, like it's the end of Lewis? Because Lewis's it is the end career. of Lewis's career. That's my point. It's, Ooh, not, it's not. He's the beginning. over the hill. He is okay, though. it's the end of Lewis's career after he won more races than Schumacher. Okay, cool. Oh, that's so, fair. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was a good Spanish Grand Prix. I, I, here's one more thing I have to say about the Spanish Grand Prix and this circuit in particular. Can we please, please get rid of the chicane at the end? Can we just get rid of it? Like, I love it. You like Why the chicane like at it? the end? What? What is wrong with you? Yeah, it totally it because it's it's actually like a very slow technical bit, and if you mess it up and it's very easy to mess it up, like it totally screws you on the last turn into the straight. It ruins which the flow of the in whole turn second. screws you up for the next lap. And so like if you don't, it's like the the last critical thing you need to hit to to for a good setup. John, where are you at on this as a as a as a faster racer on the go kart than Lenny? Um. Slightly I mean, faster. Come on. Well, give me, give me some, give me some credit. No, where, the, where yeah. are you at on the chicane, John? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that bad of a chicane. And I will say that when I was kart racing, uh, a chicane like that, I would get a raging stiffy because you can just like toss the car like sideways two times in a row whipping through it so it was my favorite kind of thing to drive but you know f1 you're probably not really doing that um it's i mean it seems like the track would flow more coherently if they just kept the outer yes you know what turn 13 i love chicanes don't get me wrong chicanes are awesome i agree with you where it's placed in that track especially coming up the hill and you essentially have two slow speed turns, you barely accelerate, and then you're back into a chicane again, and then you have to accelerate into a very tight turn to get onto the starting straight. I think that the speed... Okay. I'm just saying. Well, listen, if they extend turn 13 and eliminate the chicane, and then it just that turn 13 flows into turn 14 into the straight, uh, that would make the pit entry too quick. Because the pit entry point and where the cutoff is for the speed regulation is like right there uh, on the turn exit of yeah, 14. Yeah, I mean that. 
That is probably that's true. probably true. That's probably that why would... that chicane exists. But well, and you'd have to come, you'd have to cross over like the racing line to get into the pit entry. But that that line exactly. does exist, though. That's the thing at thirteen. That 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 why is that for for MotoGP? Why does that line exist where you can extend thirteen through into sixteen at Catalonia? Yeah, maybe. Or is that, a club? Maybe it's a different club configuration. Club. Do they run the outside. Do they run the outside for MotoGP. They might. While we're on the on this topic of you know uh, karting and and such, I just want to say, Ryan, I found uh, a very competitive looking kart track about thirty five minutes away from me. Uh, I've hauled them, and uh, I've talked to the owner. He does have hundred cc carts for me to to rent out. So your boy's gonna be doing laps here shortly. All right, I gotta, go oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go find shit. the one. I've been. I've been. I've been. Okay. I've been uh, hitting the dirt. Uh, with my uh, my two wheeled MTBs, and I will tell you, man, I hit the dirt without a uh, front suspension fork for the first time in a long time, and it beats the shit out of your upper chest, your abs, and to be able to control it and actually hit it with everything. I know that you 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 do snowboarding, and you don't understand how mountain biking works. It's very similar uh, to the amount of stress and sort of awareness you need to hit single track on a yeah but how many laps have you been how many laps are you planning on doing in a cart all right i'm gonna go find the carting place that's over in council bluffs here and i'm gonna see what rate uh rating they have on their carts i'll do some laps we'll get it done we can we can it's a good segue into what we're talking about today which is gt racing how is it i don't know how that's a good segue i'd say it's a decent (laughs) segue look so we're uh we decided to talk about GT this week and we all started doing research on it and me as the car noob who wants to learn something I got an F1 pretty easily cuz it's pretty easy to follow with drive to survive and it being one type of car and there's only a few teams to really track and there's not the just insane amount of cars essentially and all the different nuances of them to learn and we started researching GT, and all of a sudden it's like, seriously, it gets, like I said, it's more confusing the deeper you look. So we're going to keep it pretty high level, and we're going to start with what is kind of time-wise in the middle of what was the past putting itself forward, and then what has shaped modern GT racing, which is GT1, which happened during the 90s and early 2000s. So oh. let's start there. I think we should clarify. We say GT. We're we're talking about sports car racing and specifically like Premier League sports car racing. What is that? It's even also mean? known as Grand Tour Tour Racing, GT Racing, Grand Tour. Yeah. yeah. Basically, what modern cars, but souped up to the ultimate level. Yeah, you, you're thinking. You're talking like uh, production sports cars. Uh. You know, either track prepped in a GT3 fashion, you know, roll cage, a little bit weight reduction, and, you know, whatever, to, you know, all out race cars with the production body just stapled onto it, essentially. And we're, and we're, and just, we're going to tell you guys, this is, this is a relaxed fit. We got our sweatpants on. Uh, we're not getting real deep into, into history or anything, but, we just thought that There's a lot to cover. We just thought that sports car racing. So Formula One's easy because it's a class and it's got a subclass F two, and there you go. Yeah, and, and and it's easy to kind of track. Sports car racing has various different entities, and even within those entities, the classes change every five years, and they completely rename them, and the cars don't even look the same, and it's it's just a nightmare to keep up with. So we're just gonna keep this real pulled back real real chill and just kind of delve into some of the alphabet soup to try and make you understand a little bit better so you know what to look for um but the genesis of sports car racing i mean grand prix racing formula one has always been you know cars built to race genesis of sports car racing is dudes buying a car to get groceries and racing them so that's the key gentlemen drivers 
gentlemen drivers. Wait, how well, I'm just I'm no, on. I'm talking about I'm talking about go back to 1917, the first sports car race. It was a car that you could go buy at a dealership. Yep. And dudes were like, now I'm going to race this damn thing. You and mean like the Maserati Bros? Yeah. So I this mean, and this what, is more Euro. I mean, what is though. what is sports car racing at its core? It's racing based on a car that you could own. Because, but it's but it's, it's Eurocentric though. Because you have to realize that if you do that in America, we end up with NASCAR. Because true, it's Eurocentric. <clears throat> it's it's also eventually uh, Japan centric vehicles. So it'd be like if John or Lenny took their GTRs to go get groceries, but then they can also take those GTRs and then go take them to the track. That's kind of what it is. Yep. But, but what happened? But more so over time. What happened over time? Because in the '60s. Motorsports exploded all over the world. I mean, there's a bunch of different eras and yada yada, but motorsports exploded in the 60s. Thank you, George Harrison. All over the world. What ended up happening in the late 60s and early 70s is sports car racing, which was supposed to be based on production cars. Sports cars in the 60s and 70s were actually faster than Formula One cars. Oh, sorry. I'm slapping I'm slapping <laughs> the table while I'm talking. I shouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, blame the Italian in me. Wow, well, um, well, no, so soapboxy of you. Well, we are talking sports cars. We are talking but sports the, cars. The technology, lap times, and and, and stuff, it's kind of like what we talked about in Group B in the 80s, but sports cars in the 60s and 70s were faster than Formula One cars. And costs were starting to spiral out of control. And, you know, there was a, a premier class under the FIA. And they tried to enact some regulations over the years. And we're, we're going to really gloss over this until we get to the 90s because we we all agreed that the 90s and the GT1 class was kind of the genesis of sports car racing as we know it today. But uh, eventually, I think we can all say that so that it was the FIA GTP Championship or the World Sports Car Championship. FIA tried to, they said they were going to try and make sports car racing a two-seat Formula One or a two-seat Grand Prix. And they enacted regulations that were very close to Formula One regulations. And mm-hmm. the cost spiraled completely out of control. People were developing engines that were basically Formula One spec. With they were doing left. faster lap times than the F1 cars. Yep. And they were like, why my purse is less for this? This is a less prestigious class. Why don't I just go join F1? And in 1993, the FIA World Sports Car Series collapsed because everybody left. Imagine if next year on a Formula One grid, Red Bull, Renault, McLaren, and like three or four of the lower class teams just didn't show up and you had a grid of like six or eight cars. That's what happened. That's almost like the Indy 500 with, uh, during the Ferrari era and the tire debacle. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say that. Yeah, it sounds like the American Grand Prix of you know the yeah. two thousand. You know, and I and, and side, side note, we need to do another deep dive, like hard, like the opposite of this episode, a hard research episode. And I want to talk about Indian cart splitting. Yes, for but sure. Mm. I'm putting it out into the world so that y'all hold us accountable. But we're, we, I don't know if it'll be a one or a two part series, but it'll be a, a deeply historical episode. Certainly, a lot to talk about there. Yeah. But so the FIA World Sports Car Series collapsed. At the same time, I think seeing this on the horizon, these three dudes, last names of Barth, Peter, and Rattel, created a sports car series called BPR after their yeah, last name. I just, I, I just want to kill, uh, interject here really quickly. They weren't just nobodies. They each had their own sort of racing series that they were organizing at the time. I think uh, Bartel had one in France and uh, Fran- it basically England, France, and Italy is, is where I think they had their own respective racing series. And so they like combined efforts to make this new GT series. Again, very Eurocentric here, folks. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, John. I don't know. It's all good. So these guys, I think it was a power move because they saw that FIA, that thing was coming undone. So they mm-hmm. created the series in 92. 
and by 94, after the 93 failure, all the big names, you know, Ferrari, uh, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Porsche, the, all these guys kind of jumped ship, went over to the BPR series. And BPR had a GT1 and a GT2 class. I think that was, was that it at the start? I don't think there was a GT3. Yeah, it was only those two classes. Yeah, so they had GT1 and GT2. And GT2 was what was based heavily off of a production car, and there were a lot more regulations on what they could and couldn't run. And GT1 was more of an open prototype. It still had to have a loose connotation. Um, and there had to be, you had to sell a car that was like uh, significantly similar, but it was pretty open. And yeah. I think GT1 is significant because a lot of cars that we all grew up with and idolize have roots in the GT1 series, most notably the McLaren F1. Mm. Oh, yes. it's yes. the Halo car. Hallelujah. Yeah, so the McLaren F1 was built for the BPR GT1 series. And when GT1 LM that you occasionally see, um, that was built because they did a bunch of aerodynamic modifications to the race car and the sanctioning body said, Hey, these are too significant. You need to actually sell this car. And so McLaren released the GT one LM. So that's why you have the McLaren F one and the GT, uh, the F one, um, is it G T F one GT? I think they just call it F one GT. Yeah. I think, I think the LM, the LM kit, uh, is is called the high downforce kit from MSO. Okay. Uh, it's not exactly like an addition of cars, just like a spec package, more likely. Um, and that's the way they got away with it. I, if yeah. we're talking the G, the F1 GTR, it's a little bit more. Well, the, GT, more. the GTR is the race car, but I think the one yeah. that you could buy for the street was the it was just called the GT. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, it's really, yeah. Even even then, it's really confusing with what McLaren was doing at the time. So, yeah. So, everybody hop ship to the BPR series and the FIA, mm -hmm. trying to be the you know the ultimate like sanctioning body for sports car racing in the world, if not just Europe. Um, ninety seven BPR and the FIA merged, and so the series came under F one governance. Or not F1, FIA governance, who is the same body that organizes F1. Um, NWRC now. So it was, yeah, it was very similar to what happened in like a Group B rally and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Taking a bunch of weird. independent rally mm -hmm. series and kind of uniting them under the FIA umbrella. Um, yeah. So now you have a. a international sports car cup that is i guess more widely recognized um they're still doing gt1 gt2 rules and then this is where stuff gets really confusing so They're wild yeah real wild so in the late 90s mercedes comes out with the clk gtr and that car absolutely dominated crushed the FIA crushed GT sports car series. And I think that's interesting because I hate that car. I think it's I don't understand the, how you hate it. <laughs> it is Look one of it. the really ugliest don't. cars ever built. If Look I had a dog it. that was that ugly, I would shave his ass and teach him to walk backwards. <laughs> I mean this this car I don't, is... I don't I don't get it. This car is like a German ricer car almost. I mean, like, you have the look, man. You can't, John. You're talking about shaving your your dog's ass end. The ass end of this car is ugly. The front of this car is ugly. It's just horrible. It's it, gaudy. It's gaudy. And and like, I don't. It is a pure form over uh, function over form car. Excuse me, I almost said that wrong. And really oh, you've, messed got, that up. you've got you've got a function class over oh, form. Man. You've got a class of racing with the Jaguar XJ220, the Yo. McLaren F1, Yo. a bunch of 
hyper modified Porsche 911s, Yo. and then you put this nasty, stinky, just gross grossness of a. I, it's it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Well, but you, you know, you know, it's a, it's a McLaren F1, right? I mean, it's it's like ninety percent the same McLaren F1, but just ugly. Yeah, exactly. They slaps in German. The, I think the arrow is more radical. No. It, I'll say it's not the. It, it's it's very one off, and McLaren, I love it for it. it's very unique. McLaren F1 is so ridiculously pretty. I don't think any amount of Pep Boys neon underglow and bullshit part car catalog, you know, wish dot com accessories could make it <laughs> ugly. I don't think I don't think you can make an F1 a McLaren wish. F1 ugly. Com. I, I a road going CLK GTR looks is, like a race car on the it's street. It is absolutely, it's absolutely it Mercedes Benz. No. It has it has the signature Mercedes Benz headlights and grill of uh, the time. Why? The it, roof line is just it's just slam speed. It's just speed zero lift. It's got no don't the, don't don't attach zero lift to this garbo. I don't know. Yeah, don't attach two, zero lift two out of three garbo. of us don't don't even, dude. Like you want to you want to say oh it's got a scoop on the on the roof why because function yeah but look, Ryan, okay, but again, because function I understand that but if you look at the F- do you understand how much downforce that wing probably makes in the back that you said it's ugly look I, mean, I get it the F one the McLaren F one has a scoop on the roof too you, I, I understand that, that but, but it's well done the 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 F one McLaren F one has a well designed scoop all right it's much tinier it's much more slender you have the fact that the <laughs> The what? front end, the front end of the McLaren, it's probably not as effective. It doesn't matter. We're talking about looks right now, okay? I don't care about. This it. is a race <laughs> car. We're talking about a race car. Do you buy? Just hey, with hey, plates slapped on hold it. Hold on, what? hold on, hold on. Let's digress here. Let's sidebar real quick, folks. Are you buying cars because of their stats, or are you buying cars because of the looks and the way that people are going to think that you do a certain thing? Looks have a. Mix. I am. I am. I am. My name is Mister Zero Lift. Hi, nice to meet you. Hey, I buy cars because Zero they, Lift. their race car is fucked. Hey, Mister Zero Lift, I got a question for you. On your GTR, what is the paint? Hmm? What is the paint code of your GTR? TH one. Yeah, shut the fuck up. So, anyways, uh, so what does uh, that mean? Like, what, why would you? Why would you know you what the I'm fuck a, your paint code is on a goddamn car? I'm obsessed about. I'm obsessed about my own car. You're obsessed what about that? looks. What does that mean? You're obsessed so about like, looks. Look, hey, I no, absolutely not. Looks. It took me ten years to repaint that car because I didn't care about before? looks. I let Hold it. On. I let the clear coat fade on half of the car before I repainted it. Was this the same car that the engine exploded in the tunnel? Yes, it's the same car. And you rebuilt it and you repainted it. And I rebuilt it. Look, right? Look. Maybe so like, I don't, I don't on. understand the point. CLK. Hold, hold on. Point. Hold on. Take a pregnant pause. I derailed us. <laughs> John Zybardis. I'm going to I'm going to bring, bring back. us back. Bring it back. The CLK is a dominator. I don't understand how you I'm guys still can okay. say it's ugly. I derailed us. I'm going to bring us back. Death the by CLK snooze snooze doesn't mean anything. The CLK GTR absolutely earth-shatteringly hideous as it was was one of the most prolifically dominant race cars that has ever been raced it literally shut down a, a series it of racing literally class. it literally killed the gt1 class of racing in 1999 none of the other factory teams were willing to enter the gt1 class because of how dominant the clk gtr was Right. So they didn't have a GT1 class in 19 days. Didn't race it. They raced GT2 and nothing else. Um, Man, it's crazy. I could have sworn another car also with the moniker of GTR also did the same thing. <laughs> except instead of doing that, they just banned the car from competing. Yeah, except, uh, except yeah, it didn't collapse the series. They just yeah. banned the car outright. Yeah, so... Hmm. I wonder I wonder who, who's... You know where? What's which garage that car sitting? You've got him sidebar, John. You got him so sidebar right now. You got him upset about yeah. an ugly car. Apparently, nobody so, wants so, to buy a Mercedes. So listen, if someone gave me the keys to a CLK GTR, I would gladly take it. If someone told uh, me that I need to pay a million dollars for it, I would say that's a steal. Uh, Lenny, Lenny likes so ugly cars. Carry on. Look, 
to be fair, it wasn't just the CLK GTR. What had happened again is that the cost to compete in the GT1 class was getting out of control. Out of hand. And the CLK GTR being backed by Mercedes, big money, big factory, it was just the last nail in the coffin. It had was like, it, nope. it actually set the Guinness World Record for like the most expensive like car to compete at the time. Right. So so what happened was they restructured the classes and in 2000 the GT2 so GT1 went away forever but was GT2 was renamed to GT and they made another class called GTN which our astute listeners will remember from group B there was a group N and that was essentially production vehicles with a roll cage. Same idea here. Now here's where it gets real friggin' confusing. Is in 2005, they renamed the GT and the GTN class to GT1 and GT2 again. So nobody <laughs> knows what the hell's going on. Um, but so this era of motorsports from 2000 to roughly, what was it, 2012? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was uh, that was a, that was a, that was a good period of racing. You saw a lot of really cool cars, most notably the Maserati MC12. Again, astute listeners will remember us mentioning this. Maserati MC12 was a dominator until this series of racing eventually collapsed, also due to excessive cost to design cars. Uh, I also want to point out during this era, uh, we got a bunch of factory production cars in the sports car, all granted in the European range of, you know, higher sports cars, uh, very, very good cars. Uh, the Porsche 911 four liter GT three GT two combo, the, uh, that's legendary now that came out um, in that era and and Porsche built the I think it was the four liter GT2 uh, specifically to go racing and so that was a hol- homologation special I think those are going for crazy amounts specifically Absolutely uh, like the, I, the 99 the 996 variant I think is is the chassis code for that because um, I'm also obsessed with chassis codes as Ryan likes to point out and tease to make your head um aston martin also dam- dominated some gt races during that time they came out with a, a few uh vantage yep um so you get there, you there, was, there was a bunch of great cars that were that were made specifically to racing uh, then homolog 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 i don't know how to say that anyway you know you don't understand what i'm trying to say homologation I mean, I mean, homologation homologated uh, homologated Look, Thank y'all, you. a lot, a lot of the cars, there. a lot of the cars that shaped our love of cardam. If you're around our age, if you're in our thirties, <laughs> came from this era, right? You got the the Porsche 911s, you got the Jaguar XJ220, Vipers, Selena Sevens, Ferrari F50s, Ferrari 575s, Lambo Murcielagos, Aston Martin DBR9s, uh, the Corvette C6R. To anybody that's our age that loves cars, like all of these cars just read like a laundry list of stuff that you read and rode and track and wished you could drive. And a lot of them were kind of built around being able to mess in this class of racing, which is why we wanted to kind of focus our talk, not to mention the freaking McLaren F1, which is damn near every car guy's oh, ultimate yes. dream car. Pinnacle. Um, yeah. Um, it kind of came from this era. But again... All good things come to an end. Uh, if you can't see a cycle here, cost got too high. And manufacturers complained, and they restructured stuff again. Now, the names of the series, the names of the classes, they've changed a few more times even since then. But this has a, basically led us to what you have now, which is there's two kind of dominant premier-level series. There's others, but there's two kind of predominant ones. You got European, which is... FIA, what do they call it now? Sports car? What's the actual I don't know. Pick an acronym. <laughs> Throw some alpha <laughs> soup in that, dude. I don't know. So, 
Anyway, you got the FIA Sports Car Series, which the the main classes are GTE, which is a name change, Mm -hmm. and I have no idea what it means, and GT3. And then you... And then you have the American Le Mans series. No, that American Le Mans series merged with Rolex. Right. And that became the World the World Sports Car Cup, I think. Anyway. Yes. We don't know. Anyway. Yeah, so that's right. Many. Anyway, everybody's probably heard of American Le Mans and everybody's probably heard of Rolex. Well, in the mid-20-teens, they merged and became WSC. And that's the American side. And then you have the European side, which is the FIA series. Those class setups are roughly similar. There's some differences, but a lot of times teams will race in both. They just got to like modify the car a little bit. But most people are probably familiar with, if you're a casual race enthusiast, is probably GT3 because that's what you're pretty much driving in, you know, Seto Corsa and simulators like that. And GT3 cars are cars that you can buy from a manufacturer that are race cars. So like Ferrari comes out with a 458, you can buy a 458 GT3 from Ferrari and it's the race car and it's to spec. And what makes these classes very confusing is that GT3 and GTE are extremely similar. There was a period of time when GT3 cars actually made more horsepower than GTE cars because of the regulations, but they were slower because of aero and tires. Now the GTE cars are a little bit faster. Anyway, the GTE is the higher, it's the more expensive class, and the GT3 is the closer class. But none of these classes really closely resemble anything that you can buy. They're fully caged. They've got sequential transmissions. They're gutted. They're gnarly. But they are, in some capacity, based around a production automobile. And it works probably similar. I don't think they use the same engine. Maybe it's just like a highly modified engine of the same production car. It's. Uh, I think it's a similar... So the block and the cylinder head has to be has to be the same. But then, depending on the class... So like GT3 is like like a cage it's some arrow it's some suspension and then the the cars are pretty much locked to spec and then gte is like the block cylinder head has to be the same then you can modify all the other shit i mean a um, lot of this i think looking at it from the outside versus you guys having pretty fast street quote-unquote cars versus like legit gt cars for me looking at it a lot of it is the arrow and slap a shit ton of carbon fiber on it that's what it looks like to me, right? Realistically. I mean, you can get down in the nitty-gritty of like, and like on the inside, it's just like completely stripped. And again, this is why I stress it's very Eurocentric. It's just very much like if you look at NASCAR, yeah, those cars are looking on the outside like a car you could drive, but they sure as shit are not uh, by any means because they are essentially a bunch of carbon, a bunch of aero, and a bunch of things that are outside of the scope of what you would see in a road car. Um, but with these series, the much like when we talked about Group B and WRC, these are road cars you could theoretically buy. They're just so very different in their modifications. And in a way, that's what makes them such poster childs of what we want to own and drive as uh, experienced gearheads that are going to lose on a cart scene to me, like Lenny. Uh, or John, um, and myself, who is someone who getting into carts is is getting into cars is looking at these type of cars, and they're like, oh, these stand out. The arrow, the design, outside of the Mercedes CLK, which is ugly as shit. Be it dominant, it is still ugly. Most of these cars really stand out as that kind of, oh, this makes me like cars. These are the car cars of cars when it comes to those sort of things. Am I wrong there? Maybe a little bit. You just want to point out if, yeah, maybe a little bit there. I just want to point out that if you're going to go to form over function every time, you're going to lose. Well, outside of Red Bull, because, you know, I'm pretty sure they won last year. Um, So just they had a functional race car. (laughs) That is true. 
but I mean, again, there are good looking cars out there that are very functional. So we'll see how that goes in the long run. Sometimes you want to drive a car because it looks good, not necessarily because it's uh, the most functional. <laughs> would would you say that the McLaren Senna GTR is a function over form car? I have no is idea. Is that a pretty car to you? I, I don't know. You just dropped a random car on me. I'm, yes. not, a, I'm not a gearhead that's going to be able to dial in that's got a V8 and a friggin' blah, 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 blah. I'm not good at 20 questions, folks. You know this. We don't. I'm not good at what I wish I was driving because I can't rattle off all the stats. Go, go. Go Google McLaren Senna GTR real quick, Ryan. Okay. Uh, then you well, know before I, the end of this episode, you you could you could give me your opinion. You, you want to give me the um, Senna Senna GTR? While while you're doing that, Senna the McLaren Senna GTR. While we're doing that, uh, okay. we could go transition into our Scrap Race Daily game. Yes. So we got set up. We're gonna talk about form over GT function. version. That's what. Yep. Let's go. I might because this is what GT racing is all about. Because it's pretty, not because it's good. So we base this off of the. Post 2000 GT1 Reformation rules. We picked three cars to do Scrap Race Daily off of. So the first one was a sweetheart that I made sure made the list, even though it wasn't notably successful on the racetrack, and that is the Lister Storm GT. What the second a beautiful is, car. Yeah, the second is, you know, Granddaddy, the Maserati MC12. And then the third is a. Beloved American entry, the Saline S7R. This is going to be a tough one. They So mm-hmm. here's, here's the thing. This is exactly, we want to talk about form over function. Looking at all three of these, they are gorgeous. And I have to get into the Absolutely. function side of it to figure out really what it goes with. So I think I should go last here to kind of dial in to see what two gearheads kind of <laughs> shake out of this mess to give me a better idea while I skim the shit out of some wikis. Uh, because I, if I just pick on looks alone out the gate, folks, it could be a valid way to do it. But I, I think, uh, John Orlando, you guys should take the uh, P1 here and race away and see what's going on. I'll take, I'll take point here. All right. Let's go, Lenny. Um, let's go, Lenny. I... Sadly, sadly, <laughs> very sadly. Is it over form or function? Uh, it's f- function. It's for function. Okay. Only for function. And I just don't think the Lister Ooh. Um, really has that function uh, when compared to the other three, other two cars here. I mean, you, to be fair, you wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> Um, it'd be really interesting. I like, uh, as a side note, caveat, this is a really tough choice for me. Um, I would really love to see what the seven liter V12 Jaguar engine that's in this Lister Storm GT does. Uh, it looks very cape. It just, it just looks, uh, sort of like a budget, another budget F40. It sort of looks like a Venturi. Um, yeah. if I'm being yeah. honest, which might uh, explain, I mean, are you guys seeing a, a formula in the cars I like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so John definitely has a it's definitely in a trend in John. I have a, John has a type. <laughs> in cars at least. In cars at least. <laughs> um I would have to race the Maserati MC twelve on the track. Okay. Just because that it like um I've seen one in person in my entire life. Just Ooh, one. Oh wow. Uh and it just it's but the, I just have to say in person the presence of it is incredible. It is super wide. Like uh when you if you ever seen a Carrera, a Porsche Carrera GT, that is a wide car. Uh this is a wider car. The 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 road going version. And I mean, in the road going version is a basic replica of the race car. Yeah. It, it just screams speed. And I just have to, I just have to try it out on the track at, at zero lift, um, which leaves the saline S seven R, which is a beauty, another beauty of car American made, which is rare for me to like. Right. That is so strange from you as a Mercedes um, and, and Nissan guy. But 
the candy red that the S the Selene S7 comes in from the factory is amazing. And also another car that's pretty rare and I've had the fortunate um, experience of seeing in person another car that just screams uh, presence and, and on a street like in the middle of traffic it just wow and maybe it's not that reliable but if i if i could afford a saline s7 um fuck it the maintenance yeah that's great <laughs> all right john it, you're next i'm surprised that you picked the saline um saline's are really cool because it's an exotic like supercar it's based off a 351 windsor Ford engine that's been stroked out to a 427 and then it has custom cylinder heads with canted valve angles similar to a 351 Cleveland um, which is all like really old hot rodder shit nice really weird really super weird and at this time Ford had overhead cam engines and they didn't use one of those anyway I'm I'm John likes his car it's it's weird but here's the here's the thing you're gonna hate is um Amongst this company, I think I would have to scrap the saline. All right, scrap in the scaling. I wow, it hurts. It hurts. Wow, because the saline is one of the few true supercars ever made by an American company, and I do love it dearly. But I'll tell you why. I have an unhealthy and unreasonable love affair. With the Lister Storm, <laughs> so it, it, racing it, it or dailying it. Oh boy, I'm gonna race the Lister Storm. Okay, I don't know why, but the first time I saw this car was in Gran Turismo Two. I used it for all the races. I thought it was so cool. I got on the internet. This is back when I in the day when you had to go to the fucking library and rent time yeah. for a dime an hour. Yeah. And I found all the information I could possibly find on these cars. And no one's <laughs> ever heard of them. I've never met another person that even knows what they are. I guess people just overlooked it in the game. I don't know what it is. Huge V12 from Jaguar. Crazy looking mid-engine body. It was just wicked. It didn't do shit in the races. I think it won one race or got a podium or something. And then that was it. But it's just so weird. And the fact... A, a relatively small outfit. I mean, Lister is to Jaguar what like Callaway or Lingenfelter is to Corvettes or mm. I don't know what's, you know, like HKS to Japanese performance vehicles and stuff. And these guys fielded a top level GT. Like, like look at all the other cars on the grid. They're all factories. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and this car isn't based on a factory car. Lister built the car. It's nice around the engine, not the car. Yeah, yeah, it's sick. wicked. It's just wicked, and it's got a V two. It's just, it's just everything I like. Anyway, it's so the you're race, racing and the, I'm racing it. And the reason I'm racing with it is because you just, I just can't, you can't mess with success. The MC12 is just one of the most dominant race cars of all time, and it's not dog ass ugly like a Mercedes CLK GTR. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. Agreed. Um. It's beautiful. It's functional. It's just, I would just, I, I think emotionally, I would probably pick the storm or the saline, but just the logical brain, like the Maserati has enough emotional appeal. And the fact that it is so logically superior to the other two, I'd have to daily that. There it is. All right. So after listening to two guys who actually know cars and form over function developing from their gifted knowledge of it function over form rookie uh, you know that's okay uh form and function is it pretty is it fast who knows all it matters is what is your heart desire if it calls out to you buy it look here's the deal i'm gonna go ahead and scrap the s7 the saline s7 is a beautiful car but really for me that that car screamed to me and then i basically found the MC12 and then the Lister Storm. So that's a great car, but for me, it's got to go to the scrapyard. Here's the deal. Okay. I'm going to take the opposite approach of John. 
I I want to ah. race the shit out of this MC12. It is gorgeous, and I I it was a hard choice for me to put this in the garage versus race it. I want to race the bejesus out of this. This Fuji white with blue accents literally is like the chillest, almost type R-ish type of colorway. I love it. And I just want to do naughty, naughty things to this. Like 24 hours of like Suzuki or something in that car. Yes, please. Let's go. So I'm going to go ahead and say the MC12 is my race. That Lister Storm... It has the largest V12 engine fitted to a production <laughs> road car since World War II. 7.0 liter Jaguar unit based on the one used in the Jag XJR9. Sign me the fuck up. That is that is the British guy, the Irishman in me, the one that loves the cheeky shit that the Brits do that somehow, I don't know how the fuck the Brits compete with the Germans and the Japs, and I, I have no fucking idea. This car is gnarly as shit. And just to turn that, I'm, mental. I, I'm literally going to go to YouTube after we get off this episode and listen to one of these start up because that has got to be just the gnarliest fucking engine ever. And fuck me. I, I'm gonna if if I just have to sit that in my garage and start it up like Lenny does with his GTR just to hear the fucking engine and I don't even drive whoa, it. Whoa, 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 I don't I give a shit. I drove the GTR today. Fuck you! It. You didn't even it's, call it's, that out. You should have started the episode with that funny. shit. It's it's funny that exactly. you like try to make is. fun of me ah. on on like a day that I actually went is. out and drove GTR for Good. a few minutes. So Let's like back topic. Go here. fuck yourself, buddy. Go fuck yourself. But my point is, you should call that out the top, not the bottom. But look, this I'm gonna go listen to this car start up because this this car is is it looks American esque in just the angles, the triangles, the gnarliness of it, the big ass fucking engine. I love it. This is a sick, sick car. And so for that reason, it is a, it is gonna be in the garage. It is something the kids are gonna be like, Dad, turn this on, and they we're just gonna listen to it. Holy fucking shit. That Lister Storm GT is in my garage i just i just wanted to make a note like a few episodes back when i was talking about how i wanted to get a lister jaguar with the twin superchargers so they put the seven liter v12 in those jaguars and they put two superchargers on them but the lister storm makes more power because they developed a custom cylinder head for it so anyway here's the other thing this is the fastest (laughs) four seat grand tour during the 1990s and early 2000s and as a oh, dad, yeah, it had rear seats. That's right. It had Guess rear what? seats. Guess what? I'm a dad. I need them rear seats, boys. <laughs> that thing's got to be a death Form trap. and function. <laughs> Form and function. I need them for seats, okay? Looks I, good. I'm, Sounds uh, good. Goes I has got to be a death trap. I am 100% certain that the rear seats in the Lister Storm are big enough to fit a potato and yeah. nothing else. <laughs> Fuck it. My kids will have a Yeah, blast. I'm sure they're as functional as the rear seats in the GTR. Gives a shit. Right. They, you know what? <laughs> right. I could probably strap a car seat. <laughs> Who knows? Fuck it. Point is, that's a sick car. Well, that's been another episode of Zero Lift. Thank you for sticking around with uh, myself, Ryan. You've been here with Lenny. Don't forget to check us out at uh, Zero Lift Podcast on Twitter and, and Instagram. Also, I just want to make a note here that um, Monaco is this weekend, yes. and I think I'll be available to do um, a Twitter Spaces. So if you're listening to this and you're available uh, to come hang out with us this weekend for a Monaco watch party, come do that on Twitter. Yeah, you can either um, find it. Are you going to host it from your own uh, Mr. Zero Lift, or are you going to host it from our Zero Lift? Uh, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to host it for my Mr. Zero Lift yeah, either uh, Twitter account. Look so up, be on the lookout for if that. If they search Zero Lift on Twitter and like for like the spaces, will it pop up either way? Yes, it will. Perfect. So yeah, just search Zero Lift. You'll see Mr. Zero Lift instead of Zero Lift Podcast. Um, and uh, Lenny will be out there. I'll be building bikes probably or something of that sort because I'll be working, unfortunately, uh, during the race. So I'll have to watch it after the fact. Yeah. Hopefully we'll curb. Come stop through. by. So stop by. And yeah, like Lenny <laughs> said, catch us at Instagram or Twitter. I was getting there, Lenny. Thank you, though. Uh, he does most of the work, though, on social media. So call him out uh, at Zero Left Podcast. And we've also been joined by John, Mr. Soapbox himself. 
who diligently yeah. walked us through this process of the very confusing GT series. I know as a new car guy, F1 was a lot easier to get into, but GT does have some really good racing. Go on YouTube. They've got full races there uh, that are pretty good of cars you would actually see on the road, but souped up a little bit. I recommend it. Let us know your thoughts, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Keep it pinned.